0: We're going to be looking through Isaiah 55 uh, this morning, Uh, so we'll get to that in a second. All right. Uh, Everyone uh, in life, is searching for some sort of meaning or some sort of purpose in their life. Uh, Everyone's struggling to answer the questions, why am I here and what should I do with my life? And ultimately, it all comes down to how satisfied we are with our lives and where we look for satisfaction. Tonight in our passage, we'll be seeing an invitation to something that is truly satisfying. And we'll be working out how we go about responding to that invitation. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray that as we come to uh, Your Word, that You'll be opening our hearts uh, to hear Your Word. Help me to speak clearly uh, and easily, uh, so that people can easily understand uh, what You're trying to say. Amen. All right. So to start off, uh, we're going to start with a story. And I want you guys to listen. Uh, and have a think about how the person in the story might be feeling. I know this story is about a man. Uh, He's been living on the street for over a year year now. And in the past three days, he's only been able to scrape uh, together enough money for just one meal. He's hungry. In fact, he's starving. And as he walks past uh, various homes uh, at 6 p.m., uh, he sees the warm glow of light coming from from the windows. Uh, he can smell the smell of delicious home cooked meals wafting through the air, and it just helps to emphasize the cold and dark of the street where he'll probably be spending the night. As he's walking, uh, he passes a house, and the front door opens. A man steps out and sees the other man walking through the streets. He notices his his dishevelled look and asks him, do you want to join us for dinner? Now the man, he stops. He looks down at the cold street. He considers the question for a moment. And then he looks up and he says, no. And he continues into the cold and dark of the night. Now, the man's reaction was quite absurd. I mean, it's quite obvious what he should have done. He should have accepted the invitation uh, and be satisfied with food and warmth and company. But he says no, which is odd. Uh, And we're going to have, we see a similar point made at the start of Isaiah 55, uh, where this choice should be obvious. Now, it's obvious that a hungry person would pick food over something that isn't food. Uh, It's obvious that someone will pick a hot crust bun over a brick. Uh, And we see that at the start of Isaiah 55. So if you haven't got it open still, open up to Isaiah 55 and we'll have a read from verse 1. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without cost, and without money. Why spend money on, on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Now the point being made here is that if you're thirsty, you need water. And if you have no money to feed yourself, you need food. Why would you buy something that wasn't food? Why would you pick something that's not food over food? But we see that this is being used as an analogy for something else. Uh, So let's continue reading from verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. God is the one who brings satisfaction, not only to your hunger but to your soul, and he's inviting you to come to him. Now, God is the obvious choice. He is the one who can give you what you need and the, one, and the only one who can bring you satisfaction. Over the last term, we've been looking through Isaiah and we've seen Israel and how they've been turning to everything and anything to try and find a solution to their problems. They've been turning to Egypt and other nations for help against the advancing armies. And they've been worshipping idols and other gods to try and find some sort of divine intervention uh, to protect them from those armies. But the answer to their problem should have been obvious. They should have turned to God. More than anyone else, Israel should have known that God was the one to turn to. Their entire history revolves around it. God saving them from slavery in Egypt, God leading them through the desert to the prime real estate that he promised, And I've lost count of the number of times that he saved them from invading armies. But not only that, they had the prophet Isaiah who was literally shouting at them that God was the one that held the answers to their problems. They've had first-hand experience that God was the one who can without a doubt satisfy their needs. Yet they refused to turn to him. They refused the obvious choice. They chose the brick over the hot cross bun. Now we can sit here and we can look at their example and criticise them and think, how stupid are they? I mean, they should have just chose God. I mean, they had proof that he was the one who could save them, but they didn't. And we could criticise them, but what about us? What about the situation we're in? What about our predicament? As we search for purpose and as we search for the thing that will bring us ultimate satisfaction in life, shouldn't it be obvious who we should turn to? Now some of us we might turn to, you know, some wise guru or a self help book. Or our parents maybe, they're pretty wise usually. Maybe our friends they can offer offer some help. Or some of us might turn to the internet, but I'm not sure how helpful that'll be. Or we might think that we can work it out on our own, that we're smart enough to do it uh, all ourselves. Or we could turn to the one who created us, who created all things. If anyone should know what our purpose in life is, the reason we were created, it should be our creator, right? Now, Joe over here, who's our senior minister, uh, has been really getting into woodwork lately. Uh, He's spent a lot of his time learning new skills and making new things. He's just finished uh, his, uh, what was it, his his buffet, um, which he's been spending a little bit of time on. Uh, But the the one that he's particularly proud of uh, is his table. Now this table isn't just any table. It's a table that has been specifically designed with a specific purpose in mind. It's got all these fancy features like uh, multiple surfaces, changeable surfaces. You can change and swap out different, different uh, table surfaces. He has two surfaces at once that one can remove and there would be another one underneath. All types of fancy things like that. And to someone who didn't know the purpose of the table, all these features would be quite confusing. They wouldn't know how to use them properly and they wouldn't understand their purpose. But to Joe the purpose is clear. He knows how everything works and he knows how best to utilise its many features to their full potential. Because he created it. Every single design decision was made so that the table could, facilitate, could best facilitate board games. He painstakingly designed every feature with board games in mind. And Joe knows the purpose of the table and how best to use it because he created it. And it's the same with God. He lovingly created us and he painstakingly planned out every detail of us so that we could fulfill the purpose he intended. intended. So it should be obvious that if we are seeking a purpose that will truly satisfy us, then God is the one we need to turn to. He knows the exact reason why he created us and he knows the way to live that will bring us satisfaction. It should be obvious that God is the one who can give us this satisfaction in life, seeing as He is the one who created us. So, why isn't it the case? Why doesn't everyone look to God for the answers to how to live a satisfying life? Well, for Israel, it should have been obvious uh, that God was the one to turn to. But they didn't turn to, they turned to everything but Him. And throughout their history, they always did the same thing. They turned away from God and did their own thing. And they faced the consequences for it. But why? They had constant obvious reminders that he's the one that could be trusted. Well, let's read verses 8 and 9. Open it back up if you've closed it. In Isaiah 55. Uh, we'll get a bit of an idea on why they might not pick the obvious choice. Verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As heaven, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now their ways and thoughts weren't in line with God's. They were the opposite, really. In other words, they were sinful. In arrogance and pride, they thought they knew better than God and did what they saw best, instead of listening and seeking God. (coughs) To an extent, trusting God for what they needed seemed foolish, despite all the evidence to the contrary. And it's the same with us. It should be obvious to us uh, to come to our Creator to find satisfaction, but we don't. We know better. We think we know better. That we have that we have found a better way to find fulfillment and satisfaction. We think we know the best way to live our lives, and so we go with that, ignoring the one who created us, the one we should be trusting, God. And there's a word for that. It's sin. We're all sinful. Not acknowledging God for who he is, the creator and ruler of everything, is sin, plain and simple. And we're all guilty of it. We see it over and over again throughout the Bible, that mankind doesn't acknowledge God for who he is. And they turn to other things to determine how they should live their lives. And God hates it. In Romans 3, we get a bit of an idea Or we're told that that is the case. If you want to flip to it, I'm still flipping to it. So Romans 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. We don't seek God. We see his ways as foolishness. We seek everything and anything else. We look to things like entertainment and experience or having the biggest house filled with the most things or maybe we look to our friends and family for satisfaction. These things aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves but they can get in the way of us coming to God. If those are are the goals you spend your life striving for, without giving God any consideration, you're ultimately going to be left unsatisfied. If it's entertainment or experience, you're, you've got to constantly seek out something else to keep you occupied or something that will give you the bigger thrill than the last time. And there's going to be times where that's, you're not able to find that. If it's possessions, well, they all break or rust or become obsolete. And there's always something more you could buy, something else that you can, once you've bought one thing, there's the next thing that that you want. And it never satisfies. If you're relying on people for your satisfaction, well, people are notorious for letting others down. And even if you do manage to find that rare person who will be there for you no matter what, well, people don't last either. We all eventually die. Not only will you be disappointed, but you'll be facing the the judgment of the God that you've ignored and miss out on the one thing that can truly satisfy, a relationship with him. So we can put all our hope and trust in these things, and they may be good things to strive for, but ultimately without God, they will let us down and won't bring lasting satisfaction. And they certainly won't save us from death. Our sinful nature prevents us from turning to the one place where we can find true satisfaction. So what can we do? Well, God has offered us this invitation to come to him, to come to him and accept the satisfaction he brings. But how can we come to God when our sin prevents us? Well, we're given the, the answer in the passage in Isaiah 55. Look with me to verse 10. Uh, and 11, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed and the sower uh, for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So it says it right there, that God will accomplish what he desires and that his word will achieve his purpose. And he is powerful to do so. Even a hurdle like sin, God can break down. And he does just that through the message we hear at Easter, through Jesus. And during Easter, we celebrate the fact that God came into the world. that Jesus came into the world and dealt with our sin through his death and resurrection. He conquered sin, defeated death, and dealt with the devil. And this is how we can come to God, despite our sin. So is sin no longer a barrier to us coming to God? What should we do? Well, we should do the obvious thing, right? We should respond to his invitation. And verse 6 to 7 outlines just how to do that. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. So, how do we respond to the invitation? Well, first we need to acknowledge that we are wicked, that we are sinners, who have been looking everywhere other than to God and we need to turn to him. We need to forsake and abandon our old ways, and we need to tell him that we are sorry for what we have done and that we are helpless without him, trusting that we can find mercy and forgiveness thanks to what Jesus did on the cross. We can be in right relationship with God, and that's where we can find true satisfaction. Through a relationship with God is what we were made to do. And this isn't just a fleeting satisfaction, one that lasts for this lifetime and then we die, or a last meal before death, if we go back to the food analogy. No, Jesus' resurrection proves that God has power even over death. And when we come to him, he gives us the free gift of eternal life. And this means that we can be in a relationship with him forever. And all of this is so great, So when we receive it, it changes us. It changes us to recognise that living in a relationship with God and to live the way he he intended us is the way to find true satisfaction in life. Jesus provides the way which we can come to God and know true satisfaction by living in a relationship with him. So really the obvious choice is to come to God. So RSVP to your creator so that you can find true satisfaction through a relationship with him for all eternity. Or you could continue ignoring God, choosing the brick over the hot cross bun, choosing that which will let us down over that which obviously satisfies. Now, if that's something you want to do today, if you want to accept that invitation, well, then I encourage you to do so. But more, I encourage you to come and speak to either me or Joe or Dave, wherever he is, um, and have a chat about that and really think about what it means to accept God's invitation. Now, coming to God should be as simple a decision as a hungry person deciding between a home-cooked meal or the cold, dark street, or deciding between a hot cross bun or a brick. But our sinful nature blocks us from choosing the obvious obvious choice. Luckily, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, has dealt with our sin so that we can come to God and find true satisfaction through an everlasting relationship with him. Don't be like the man who chose to refuse a home-cooked meal. Choose the obvious choice and respond to his invitation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you have sent your Son uh, and that he's died taking the punishment for our sin. And he's made the way clear for us to come back to you and accept that invitation of eternal relationship with you. To accept the invitation that is the only place where we can find true satisfaction. And I ask that we'll be, do- if we haven't done that already, that we'll be conti- considering doing that. Uh, And if we have done that, I pray that we are finding true satisfaction. And if we're not satisfied, then I ask that we will work out why that is uh, and struggle with that. Uh, In your son's name, amen.